Hi everyone, Zach here. One thing I just want to bring up, Knights of Vader mugs. We do have our minimum of people signed up. We are going to go ahead and do that. But just in case some people didn't get that message or are still on the fence, if you're interested in a Knights of Vader mug, check out any of Knights of Vader's other forms of social media if you want to see what the mug is. I know there are many of you out there. You probably don't want a mug, but in case you do, check out our Facebook group, our Knights of Vader Instagram account, KOV Podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes if you're interested. And heck, if you don't have any social media but you have an email account, email us at kovpodcast at gmail.com and I will send you the image in the 3D rendering. But if you are interested, please let us know. The deadline for placing orders is January 20th, 2019. And then, then when we get closer to the January 20th deadline, we'll talk about how we'll be collecting the money. Keep in mind, these mugs are $30 US a piece. And on with the show. One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will only hear Knights of Vader. Knights of Vader includes, but is not limited to talk of Star Wars. A big thank you to Anisperiority Complex for providing our theme song. It is January 4th, 2019. My name is Zach Weber, and joining me today is Zanger. Red Leader, standing by. So, Zanger, I took a week off thinking I am sitting catatonically in my chair, so I let you have the reins of the podcast. What is it that you have in mind this week? This has been growing in my mind as something of sort of a... I, I I just feel like every time I watch it, every time I think about it, this, this particular thing grows with me as something I feel is getting better and better. Like it, it is, it, it is aging with me like a fine wine, and I am just waiting to get the, the the perfect cheese to go along with it. But in in that, that that's that's a story for another day. What I am <laughs> speaking, of course, of is the third act of Rogue One. In my opinion, is one of the best third acts of not only Star Wars but of any like action war movie just because of the way the filming was done the way the choreography just the way everything happens in it it's this great build-up and payoff in my opinion and i just i want an opportunity and unfortunately for you listeners i have an opportunity with this podcast to discuss how this is amazing and how anyone who says different is wrong. And by all means, I challenge you to come on and prove me wrong that the third the third act alone of this movie is almost pure perfection in cinema. Hashtag not my third act. Hashtag definitely <laughs> my third act. <laughs> no, I when Zenger pitched this to me, I I'm intrigued by the concept of it. I think Ro- I absolutely agree. Rogue One has one of the best climaxes of, of Star Wars. I don't know about all time because I think I think it, we're so conditioned now when it comes to movies to have that third act just like oh god like CGI explosion mm-hmm. like, like Marvel's really conditions conditioned us into that sort of just mindset where like oh uh, first act second act third act everything just blows up 
<laughs> and that's Michael much- Bay also has conditioned us to first act, everything blows up. Second act, more stuff blows up. Third act, we blow up everything over again. Pretty much. And where Rogue One, I think, is a little bit different. I, again, as we all, everybody knows at this point, the the third act of Rogue One was rewritten. I, to me, the fact that Rogue One works as well as it does, especially that ending, is is so bonkers. And then when you add to it the idea that they had to redo it in the months before the movie was released, obviously effect shots. I kind of want to. I kind of want to know what the original one was like then. Well, there's yeah. bits and there's bits and pieces of that you can find in like behind the scenes stuff that was like released around the time of December 2016. I know there's, I'm pretty sure it's like an ABC, I don't know, like Dateline, whatever it would be, video of showing Cassian and K2 dying outside the bunker on Scarif. And it's like it's like maybe like a thirty second like video. It's 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 official. It's part of like something that ABC was putting together. For promoting the film because you can see like Diego Luna fall down and then Alan, Alan Tudyk on like stilts falls down on top of him and it's the same bunker that where Churret and Bays are that's like I don't know how much obviously that means that Jin and Cassian couldn't embrace in the giant orange explosion light well, also- I know there's video of her on the beach with the um with the data tape well, what happened there, from what my understanding is, is that in the movie, the final film, they get the Death Star plans, and then in the same complex, they just climb up the little mm-hmm. aperture that opens and closes, and she shoves the data tape in and uploads to the giant satellite. Apparently, in the original cut, if you want to call that, they collect the data tape from point A— and the transmitting tower is across the the battlefield, and that's why they have to. You have that shot from the first teaser of them all running toward the ATACT. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Is that they have to get from point A to point B, and while she's trying to upload the tape to the giant satellite, the rest of the Rogue One guys, or at the very least, Cassian, K two, Bays, and Churret, are all defending the entrance to it. See, I even the concept of that I don't like as much. Well, it's 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 efficient story. What they actually went with is the efficient storytelling aspect of it. With what they went with that were actually saw at the end. Exactly. Essentially, what it does is that it pulls out an action sequence in the in the middle of your third act. Yeah. It which makes sense because you have all this other action going on around it. And they really didn't even pull the action out. What they did was they rearranged the pieces where. Churret, Bays, and all them, their thing is still going on. It were technically it's still going on according to the initial cut. It's just that Cassian and Jin are put on a different way of doing it. They're on a different track of yeah. the conclusion. It, it's a matter of preference. Or it's not even a preference. I, I think the I don't think anybody would be hard. And that's why you have you don't have a release the Gareth Edwards cut meme or or hashtag trending. Is I can't imagine a better third act of this film than the one we got. Oh no, this, this is great, and there, and I have weird reasons for really loving this. Okay. By, by the way, just, just just for the side note, I do have it playing on my laptop. Of course you do. Yeah, Wouldn't of course be right I do. has the movie playing in the room. <laughs> well, I had it on the big screen, but I left the remote over there, so now it's just got the title sequence with showing all of them with data plans over their face. Oh, okay, the menu. Yes, the me- the menu's up. No, I mean, 
my my thing is this, and it's a weird thing I really like about it is this feels like a war movie. Like what? And it, I mean, of course it is, but it feels like when you're cutting to these different, like the gold leader or blue leader, like they're spouting off stuff, like they're actually in a battle. And the other thing is, there's a lot of cuts from one scene to another where you're seeing the transition, like where a ship's getting shot down. You'll see that then from the view of people on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because it makes this big battle seem like it's I mean, it seem like it really is one battle going on. Whereas like in other movies, it's just chaos going on. You can't really tell where anything, where they are in proximity to other people or other things. And in this, it's very cut and dry on where everything is in correlation to everyone else. That's a very good point you bring up because there is a lot of seamless editing in this. Mm-hmm. Which again, com- which really makes it all the more impressive when you realize that they had they rearranged the pieces months before it was released. But no, because I can I know one shot you're talking about is that we have the shot where the U wing is being shot down, mm-hmm. and as it's I think the pilot goes, "We're going down," and the next shot is Bays and all them running on the beach, and we actually see it crashing into the ground. Yep. Um, there's another shot of the death troopers being deployed. And you see, you know, the bigger, the the transport ship fly by. You also see a uh, blue leader gets taken down there and you see his ship crash when it cuts back to another scene showing kind of where the troops are coming from to where they are at. Like uh, it's, it's just, just all that stuff makes for a very fluid, like seamless fight where it's like, you can follow all the pieces as they move around the map too. But my question is, maybe this is just, semantics and just debating things but do we know that 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 specific x-wing crashing is blue leader i can 100 percent. hold on i can 100 percent guarantee that it is well it probably it, it's it's editing that we're it's it's uh it's editing our brains are doing our brains just say oh we see an x-wing pilot being shot down and the next shot is an x-wing crash all right doesn't mean it's the same one Blue leader flies by. He's being tailed right now by three of those like skiff tie fighters. Yeah, tie strikers, yes. He gets hit, his engine goes out. He's going down yelling. His other engine goes out and then bam, explosion on the ground. Tons of troops being shot at by the rebels as they charge in. Yeah. Oh, I, like I said, I'm just But it's it like I said, I like that transition of it's showing that the fights turning again and then the UN gets shot down right after that. The fights because also, you feel how the battle's going as, like, a person watching. It's obvious who's winning and who's losing at certain points in the battle, or who's got the upper hand, too. Like I said, Star Wars normally does a pretty good job with this, but there's other movies where it's just chaos. And it's like, you can't really tell anything that's going on until, like, the very end, where they're like, oh, well, we won. It's like, what? when did that happen? Well, I think... Well, I think... Looking at again, yes, you can compare it to other movies. You can you can compare it for better or worse against those. But I think within the Star Wars pantheon of third acts, because if you go, doing a brief history of Star Wars climaxes, you have a New Hope, which takes place basically in one setting: mm-hmm. the the attack on the Death Star, Empire. You have the Luke Darth Vader duel, and you have Leia, Lando, and Chewie escaping Bespin. Jedi is when things get a little bit more over the top. We have Luke and Vader and the Emperor. We have the Endor skirmish. And we have the Battle of the Second Death Star. Mm -hmm. Then you have Phantom Menace, where you have the Gungans and the Battle Droids, 
Padme, Anakin in the the Trade Federation control ship, and Obi Wan, Darth Maul, and Obi or Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Then obviously, Attack of the Clones is just the Battle of Geonosis, sprinkled in with a little bit of the Anakin. Uh, Obi-Wan Dooku battle and Revenge of the Sith is Yoda, Palpatine, Obi-Wan, Anakin. And again, Force Awakens is 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 Poe well, first Star uh, Star Killer Base. Yes, uh, Poe versus Star Killer Base. With <laughs> pretty much with with supporting cast. Yeah. Uh and then the Last Jedi, you have pretty much it's it's and that's a weirder movie that because it really doesn't have a conventional climax in the way you think. Yeah. Everything everything kind of comes to a focal point at the very end. And Solo, Solo doesn't really have a again, doesn't have a climax in the conventional Star Wars sense. It but has I, a it has a crime movie standoff every twi- every twist and turn in the road sort of thing. Which is much. good. I like I said, I'm not saying any of the other movies are bad. It's just like I said this one I think is just I I just really like the way it's done and Jedi's hard to compare this to because Jedi has a lot more story-driven stuff going on, where this is just sort of you get to see a battle happening with people you care about? Question mark. Well, I think there is a story. I think that's the. I think actually, Jedi is the most apt comparison because it's a very similar thing. As you have three different, I don't want to call it skirmishes, but you have basically three plot lines going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got the space battle, you've got the ground battle, and you have the two main characters doing their thing you have because, one that doesn't really have any effect on the others um vader versus luke is kind of its own thing the ground battle on endor versus the space battle on endor rely on each other and the battle has to adapt on in the space battle on endor due to circumstances which i really like that they that they took that opportunity to let it's like let's let's have a space battle yeah, I think yes, I absolutely agree with that. But the thing that I think would differentiates those two is the editing that you mentioned. Mm. Is that when we watch, and yes, it's it's a different kind of battle in that Rogue, Rogue One is a very much even. It's an inner atmosphere battle, and on top of that, it's very close to a planet. Where whereas the Battle of Endor. Is even though, like you said, the the what Han Solo is doing on the planet affects what goes on above them. It's not as directly tied to it yeah. as Rogue One because with Rogue One, the whole thing is we need to destroy the 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 the, the shield gate in order to get the plans out. How do we do that? Well, basically, the heroes on the ground have no role in that battle whatsoever. That's that's the weird part is that there is a, there is a a barrier quite literally in the film the shield gate keeping the protagonists on the planet away from the ones in the the atmosphere I'm sorry um in space but one it's funny how it's almost it's it's switched the ways around whereas they the ones in space have to knock out the shield so they can help the guys on the ground whereas it's the inverse with the Jedi yeah. And like you said, there is this level of connectivity, which is probably more special effects based than it is narratively driven, like you said. Because I can't imagine having if, – if Jedi was remade today or if they were making that movie today, and while I'm probably imagining what's going to happen with episode 9, we're probably going to get a space battle that bleeds into the planetary battle. Like, That's I would imagine- why I've always wanted a battle of Jakku. Well, yes, yes, that well, that would be fun. 
sort of got it in the video game, but like that on film would be amazing because it is like the like biggest like also rewarding me with the fact of seeing a ton of star destroyers and you know all these ships like in and out of atmosphere battling each other mm-hmm. is would be freaking awesome. But like I said, this this has a very cohesive and easy to follow battle with with the course of the battle of Scarif and everything. Well, I think that's what makes the Rogue One climax or third act stand out so much is that it's not so over the top. Yeah. Where where you watch Return of the Jedi, there's like what, 30 Star Destroyers and one Super Star Destroyer during that battle? Mm-hmm. So you have like it, that's the one thing I gotta say about Jedi. And again, it's more the special effects limitations at the it time. Still looks amazing for the time, though. Oh yeah, no, I'm not taking away from the special effects. But I mean that when you watch that battle, you really do not have any sort of firm grasp on how many forces the rebels have, and you have a little bit better grasp on what the Empire has, but you don't have any sort of idea because like you watch the the Jedi battle. Like, a handful of rebel ships are destroyed. Like, there's, what, two Mon Calamari cruisers destroyed by the Death Star and a handful of fighters. But we don't, like, we, like, what? There's, like, one Death Star. There's one Star Destroyer destroyed during the battle. There is one that you see blow up because they hit the react. They must have hit the reactor or something on it because it completely blows up. It's during the scene. Wow, I'm doing this from memory. I've seen this movie too many times. If I'm remembering correctly, it's during the scene where they're sitting there on the main ship, and um, I wanted, I just, I keep saying Raditz because I'm watching this movie, but um, it's in the background. It's in the background of like yeah, uh, you, you see it Admiral blow up, Apple. and they're like, we need to focus fire on that super star destroyer. And then basically they 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 eliminate that ship's shield, and they crash into the bridge. And then one, and then there's an A wing that gets hit. On a completely different ship, like it gets hit on a completely different ship, flies from that battle scene, and then slams into the Super Star Destroyer, taking it down. Yes, that's. but that's what I mean, though, is that we really don't get any sort of... like It's hard to comprehend the size of that battle, because we see very, very highlighted, zoomed-in parts of it. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like... Um, I don't know a good example, but it's kind of, again, it's like you, you, they're, you're focusing on specific parts of it. We never get to see the battle a very zoomed out state. And I think that's the brilliance of Rogue One too, is that it's not a attack on the second Death Star. It's not a battle of Jakku where we have hundreds of Star Destroyers and like half a dozen Super Star Destroyers. Mm-hmm. It's two Star Destroyers, a Rebel Mon Calamari flagship, a handful of small frigates and four squadrons of X-Wings. Hold on. I actually, according to Wikipedia, I have a readout of the exact what happened at the battle. Uh, casualties. Strength. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Rebels have a lot of weird ships. Um, strength, according to this. The Empire had one Sith Lord. Late battle. <laughs> One Death Star. Late battle. <laughs> the way they break this down is so stupid. <laughs> um, all right, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Uh, three Imperial Star Destroyers, one arriving late in the battle. That was the Devastator. Um, at least 75 TIE Fighters. And then on the... Then, of course, on the ground, they had a ton of different ships and stuff there. On the other side, you had three... 
gunships, three Corvettes, which I think those are the, yep, those are the Hammerhead Corvettes. So they had three of those, uh, six R, CR90 Corvettes. God, this is awful. Oh, those are the, um, those are the, the, um, blockade runners. Yeah. See, I don't know the official names for all the, oh, and the Tantine 5, which was later in the battle. Yeah, so somehow they outnumbered them, but they still well, that's, got messed up. Uh, at least 42 T-65B X-Wing <laughs> Starfighters, and at least 22 BTL-A4 Y-Wings. And two U-Wings. Two U-Wings. Oh, and one Ghost. <laughs> Wait, two U-Wings? That's... I only count one U-Wing in that battle, but... It says that there was okay. Hold on, wait. It breaks. Well, it the down. book, the book. Well, I okay. Uh, for the record, technic. I know in the Rogue One book they mention that Green Squadron is there. It does say Green Squadron as well. They're there in the book, even though it's, they're not seeing the film. The X wings are blue, green, red. The Y wings yeah. are gold, and then part of Blue Squadron. Oh wait, that's 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 saying that the Y that there was some Y wings in Blue Squadron. Well, I, okay, that's I, I don't know. Like, there, there's a couple of things when it comes to the Battle of Scarif that are weird. Like the whole point that again, the reason why Blue Squadron was named Blue Squadron for Rogue One, it was orig- it was an homage to that was originally what Lucas had in mind for for A New Hope, because he wanted to be blue. I know in the novel it's it's Blue Squadron, and he had to change it for the film because when they did the compositing for the effect shots, they couldn't do blue because that's what the backgrounds were. Yeah. So yeah, now it's like, got the list of casualties. <laughs> we're gonna do a thing. <laughs> we're gonna do a battle of Scarif in memoriam. All the ace, all the ATACTs. <laughs> Squad of death troopers. Many shore troopers. Many. Many. That's what it just lit is. It just says many of allotted, many shore troopers, many storm troopers, many all, tie fighters, many there's a, there's a shore trooper that made it off. <laughs> well, this is my okay. So I have a question for you. Not, I'm sorry to interrupt the one shield section. <laughs> <laughs> Pour one out for the shield gate, folks. It didn't even see it coming. Uh, one KX series security droid. Because of course there was none other on that planet when they blew. Well, there up. was two. There was Kate. Oh, for the oh. No, Kate. Kate. K two technically counts as Rogue that's One. Like, that's uh, yeah. it's on the Rebel side. Uh, okay. We'll do a new memorial for them after this question. <laughs> this maybe is timing. I don't know. But if you're Admiral Radis and you're aboard the Profundity, and once once you see the Star Destroyers crash through the Shield Gate, eliminating the message. Why wouldn't you send a shuttle down to to rescue the Rogue One team? Maybe they were planning on doing that. Well, okay, I, I don't know. Like, and also too, why? I know. Um, well, there, okay, there was a U wing dispatched down there, so maybe they're assuming that the U wing and Blue Squadron is giving them support and they're trying to get back. But because once the shield gate's destroyed the communications are open right or are they still yeah. jamming their communications they could um making me watch a movie all right <laughs> you know the movie doesn't tell you this i've i've, I've no i'm, I'm just seeing timing right. wise oh we yeah there's that there, there's that star destroyer destroying the other star destroyer with the star destroyer <laughs> technically it's the hammerhead corvette destroying the star destroyer with the star destroyer 
And that crew does survive because they do eject. Well, that's that's up in the air. People say they do because it's still thrusting as it's going through the shield gate. And somebody has to be holding down the throttle. It's not like they tied a brick to the, <laughs> no, the they, throttle switch. They, they tied a space brick. Come on, this is Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but the question is then, why wouldn't Radis send a ship down there? All right. Like okay, but at the same time though, think about it. If you're, and for the sake of argument, folks, let's just ignore All right, the. So reshoots. the transmission sent. Oh wait, I'm, I'm getting it. She's smiling. She's like, I did it. Well, they received the transmission because it's like uh, one they, of they, they do. Now he's turning. He's like, you did it, Rogue One. It wasn't a trap. Okay, now 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 Cassian's holding her back from beating a dead body. It's not actually. But dead. But, <laughs> but this is my question though. Uh, folks, I am doing Hold on, they've got the plans He's like, yeah, we did it We got the plans And Death Star No, I'm I'm, I'm waiting for that moment Because it's about to happen That's why, because they're like, what the hell is that? That's no moon Yeah, right there They they turned, because he was probably trying to be like Let's go retreat, what the hell's that? That's not a moon But, okay, let's, let's ignore Radis for a second if considering that at this point in the plot, and I want everyone to realize, I know this is a Jack and Rose. Why couldn't both of them fit on the door scenario? I get it for the sake of the why story. Everybody has to bunker? die. Well, not, no, not the bunker, but I want people to understand. Like I get the plot of the movie. I'm not saying, Oh, it's a bad movie. Cause neither one. Like it's like, why couldn't they survive? I get it. I'm just, I'm being a nerd here and I'm nitpicking, but Cassian and Jane know before they've even retrieved the Death Star plans, because Cassian says to Bodhi, or I'm sorry, Booty. Yeah, there we go. Booty. Y- you have to get a message to the Rebel fleet telling them they have to destroy the shield gate. There is no time for them to send anything. By the time they wait, realize wait, what's going okay. on, time the Death out. Star's... Uh... Time out. This is the question. Considering that Cassian knew, and so did Jin. Before they even had the Death Star let, read out data tape, that they needed to destroy the shield gate. Why wasn't that as soon as Jin uploads the plans, Cassian's like, quick, we have to get to a shuttle. Because keep I in mind. I think that's what they're trying to do, considering he's limping away. But but why would you? They have to know that it's only a matter of time. That someone like time is of the essence. The plans are uploaded. They like as soon as the Death Star comes out of light speed, they, Tarkin and I, I forget the character's name, what Admiral that is. They're, they're transmitting the plans from from the tower, and you have all that. Why wouldn't you kind of like like race out of there? Like you know you're going to get caught. I get it. The, the Rogue One team is a suicide mission. I get that. But just for the sake of being a nerd, why wouldn't you try to hustle out of there a little? Like, there had to be some, like, Director Krennic's ship was still there. There had to be, like, all those landing pads had shuttles on them. Like, you're telling me there wasn't one shuttle they could have gotten on, and they could have gotten off the planet voluntarily? No. They didn't (laughs) have enough time, man. But we don't know the time, though. Like, the moment, like, we from the moment where Jim... They're going down... That elevator when the beam get when the beam hits. The Are planet. they? Yes. How do we know that? Because I'm watching it. 
<laughs> I do not accept that as evidence. I do not accept the evidence. Because aren't of they the on the beach? Showing aren't, you, don't they? Aren't they already kind of like standing on the beach when they see the okay, the, he, the, they're, the glass? They're, 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 okay, they they are limping out. Yeah, they're limping out, and it hasn't happened yet. And 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 these guys are pulling, pushing buttons. Those guys need a railing to protect them. All right, it's firing. Bam, it's hit. They're still standing on the beach. And then Raditz is sitting there like, oh, man. Rogue One, may the force be with you. Now I die. Well, we don't know if Raditz is No, he, according to Wikipedia, he did. Well, okay, Wikipedia says a lot of things that aren't true. I'm, I'm, okay. He is not confirmed. Note. Okay, this is the answer that Pablo Hidalgo gave. We all know he can't be trusted. I know he can't be trusted, but every time somebody asked him after Rogue One came out what happened to Admiral Raddus, he did the same thing. He'd post a picture of fried calamari, but people would say like, oh, we don't see him die. And his response was when he wasn't posting the calamari picture, it was Raddus is presumed dead until a, a author or some creative within the company or outside the company pitches an idea for what happens to him after the, after we last see him in rogue one. So Raddus is kind of in a weird space where he's presumed dead, but if somebody like went in to Lucasfilm and pitched them like a comic book where he somehow escaped or he got a rescue or there was like an undercover stormtrooper that was a turncoat that could very well still happen. It's the door has not been shut on Radis for good. It's not like, oh, they can bring Han Solo back to life in Episode Nine. It's like, oh, that was just that was an illusion. Kylo Ren didn't stab him. He just made Han Solo made it look like that way because he hid the blade under his arm, like a, a high school version of Shakespeare or Romeo and Juliet. Proud of them. <laughs> uh, but yes, the 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 ending of Rogue One because that's. That's the we thing. We haven't even gotten to the to the other part of this conversation yet, even. Yeah, I know, I know. There's, 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 yes, the greatest moment in Star Wars history. We'll Where's talk about it? that in a minute. Yes, yes, but, <laughs> but now for an in memoriam. Right. still get to read the Wikipedia. <laughs> many rebel marines, many pathfinders, many X-wings, nearly all of Blue Squadron, and of course Red Five. At least one. U wing, many Y wings. Rogue One, S <laughs> an SW zero six zero eight. That's the landing craft for the Imperials that they had. Ah, uh, profundity itself. At least two GR seventy five medium transports. And for your information, if you do not know, those are the weird shaped ones that you see on Hoth, and that slams straight into that Star Destroyer when it's trying to make light speed, because you know reasons um at least one ef6 that's that's it's it's the it's the medical freighter at least one sigma class corvette or hammerhead corvette light maker sorry it actually gives the the name of that ship and at least a dozen alderaan consultant guards consulate guards there we go oh the fleet troopers but that is also pointed out as late battle. <laughs> well, thank, thank you for... Uh, Thanks, Wikipedia. Oh, God, Wikipedia. Before we get to the final... The, the end of this, though. It, or the, the, Listing the, the rest of the casualties from oh, the Empire. Oh, will you stop? 
the planetary shield. <laughs> the shield gate itself. Or synchronic. Or synchronic, yes. <laughs> okay, I'm done. That's it? You're not going to no, 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 every no, shore I, trooper I, that died? Every no, I, I said there was many shore troopers, many stormtroopers, many TIE fighters, many TIE strikers, two Imperial class star destroyers. You know, I've always been fascinated about whether it be Rebels or Rogue One. Did the Empire just constantly churn out Star Destroyers? Like, did they just have a, a constant just... Like, was there ever a time when the Empire was not making new Star Destroyers? All right. You have asked and the internet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because <laughs> now I want to know. All right. Well, Zenger continues to look for questions in which there's no concrete answers. The, the thing I think is the most fascinating about the Rogue One ending is that it does, like, Star Wars, every single one of the battles does have this weird sort of, like, partition or divide. Oh, man, where... I'm not going to ask this question. <laughs> we have, we, Zanger, stop. Zanger's getting me off track. But, like, if we look at, like, the Phantom Menace, and you have all these different battles, like, once... I, you think about the movie, the, the Battle of Naboo, or whatever we're going to call it, it starts with the Gungas versus the Trade Federation, which is completely, for the most part, separate from the other three battles. But we have originally Gungans, battle droids, then we have Queen Amidala, the Jedi, and Anakin. They're all together. They proceed to then go into the, the hangar in Theed. Anakin gets in the, into the Naboo Starfighter. Darth Maul shows up. And obviously, Obi-Wan, Anakin, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fight Darth Maul. And then Padme does her thing. Then Anakin, like, because they get caught by the destroyer droids, and Anakin has to destroy them with the Boo Starfighter. And that's when it finally splinters off into four different battles. Correct. And the thing that's interesting, you no, know, I, I, I know there's, there's some critique of that, that it's too much, go, it's too busy. There's so much going on. How can anybody follow it? But I always, I never had a problem during the ending of the phantom menace like yes there, it's, it's a very busy climax but i i know a lot of people say like oh how do you have that like juxtaposition from qui-gon dying to anakin getting the starfire to work again oh no i mean you have the juxtaposition of qui-gon dying and then the hilarious antics of jar jar that we all just can't get enough of but yeah but that point though they're captured aren't they they're hilarious antics <laughs> But he's not doing any hilarious anticking at that point. He, I, I think it is okay to assume he is always <laughs> doing hilarious antics. Speaking of uh, Jar Jar and hilarious antics, does anybody remember that when the Phantom Menace came out, there was like a huge like tie-in promotion with like Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they gave out toys. Yeah. It, and one of the toys is it's like Jar Jar with his legs crossed, and he's like holding a giant like blanket or like a pile of like white goo. Uh. <laughs> if you type in like Jar Jar fast food toy, I'm pretty sure it'll show up in Google. Because it's like him sitting with his legs crossed. He's like sitting down, legs crossed. He has like this giant pile of like, wh- like white goo that he's holding. Dead air, folks. Dead air. No, no, no. It's me having to make sure my safe search is off. <laughs> I want everyone to know we're only talking about topics like this because we all know the episode nine title is coming. Much like last year, we had a 
biding our time until the solo trailer dropped. We're just now waiting for an episode nine title to overanalyze. What the heck is that? See? Is that hilarious? It's weird. (laughs) I have that somewhere. I have this knuckles with a dust cloud under him to where you push him around and he spins. Really? I don't know why I popped that up. Uh, There's also this Jar Jar that shoots water. Well, come on. That was was my favorite part of the Phantom Menace, when Jar Jar would shoot water at people. Yeah, so it's hilarious. Why can I not get a definitive answer to this question I asked? About the Star Destroyers? I got one, but I'm trying to find one on Wikipedia because we all know that that is the definitive. So according to um, this Ask Whatever site... Um, at the height of its power, the Galactic Empire had could field over twenty five thousand Imperial Star Destroyers. According to this guy, they had that many. Apparently, wow, that's a I lot mean, of Star Destroyers. Doesn't seem that out there. Twenty five thousand Star Destroyers? Sure, why not? It's an I entire think- galaxy. Damn it! Yeah, but. I guess, but all right. Come on, Wikipedia, save the day. How many? That's that's like okay. Uh, Up up at the peak of the empire, over twenty five thousand star destroyers existed. Thank you, Wikipedia. (laughs) Okay, what's the source? What's where are they basing that from? Uh, Nineteen. Star Wars Uprising. Oh. Oh yeah. The mobile game that got canceled after like a weekend. What? Is that Star Wars hmm. Uprising? Yeah. That was the mobile game that came out, like, I think in 2014? 15, oh, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that died. That died real. When, when was the end date on that, Zanger? Uh, let's see here. Uh, it came out in 2015. When? When? 15? September 10th, 2015. All right. So that was, that was, uh, uh Road to the Force Awakens stuff. Uh, uh hold on. Um, and it ceased operation on November 17th, 2000. Want to take a guess? 16. Okay, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I was going to say 15 as a joke. <laughs> last, no, it was really short. I remember when it got canceled. I'm like, wow, that didn't last long. Uh, all right, 25,000 Star Destroyers. How about that? It's a lot. That is a lot. Zenger, a- you're going you're gonna to need a lot more Revel kits to even come close to that. I, I, God dang it. I need so many. We also don't know how many of the Republic Star Destroyers, the Venator class, were repurposed. Oh, they repurposed a lot of stuff. They have a second version. Oh, it just has guns in different spots, whatever. Well, this is okay, not to get too off topic from Rogue One. But you remember. No, this all has to do with Rogue One. This was the first battle. But. War. Not the first battle. Well. It was no, the first, was... like, victory for the Rebels. Yes, it's, yes as, as said in A New Hope. But do you remember that shot in The Force Awakens when um, Death Star 3.0 is blowing up Hosnian Prime and it's blowing up all the planets in the Hosnian system? We get, like, a very, very brief glimpse of, like, ships. Yeah. Like, blowing up outside of Hosnian. That's supposed to be the New Republic fleet, or one of them. One of their fleets. Tragic. Do we, do we have any idea what the New Republic fleet looked like? Like, Do we know what kind of capital ships they were using? I'm sure Wikipedia has the answer to that, too. I felt like looking. Because I know they lay out numerous times in, some of, in the media between episodes 6 and 7 that the, even at the height of its military strength, 
that the New Republic only had, I think, a quarter of the army and navy that the old Republic, or I guess the the Republic of the prequel era had. Come Even on, give re- me a number on how many Super Star Destroyers they had. Oh, there's insane. I know in one, in, uh, one of the Aftermath books, they, they tell us how many Super Star Destroyers there were. I'm looking. Because I, I kind of find it weird there's how there's only... Star Destroyers. There, how there was only, like, one at the Battle of Endor. But they also had the... They had that, like, diversion where they had, like... Didn't they have, like, a ton of Star Destroyers and stuff somewhere else in the galaxy to try to lead them astray? Well, wasn't that the whole thing? Like, it's mentioned in the Battlefront 2 campaign that wasn't it Sullust where the Rebel fleet was amassing by Sullust? Yeah. Where that was the whole thing where it was meant to be... Um, a distraction. A distraction. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure there's 20 Super Star Destroyers. I'm pretty sure. Or there were. All right, fine. I'll type it in this way. <laughs> How many? <laughs> He's typing literally each letter at a time. A. Empire have. There we go. Just waiting for it to autofill. All right. Those are just right. I need Super Star Destroyers. Damn it. Oh, executor class. Could be talking about something else while I'm looking. <laughs> Just saying. I'm the one that keeps talking. You're the one that keeps getting distracted by by trivia. Five thousand turbo layers and ion cannons it had on it. That's not that's not the answer we were looking for. <clears throat> well, I'm a looking. So this would be your favorite third act of any Star Wars film? It's up there. Okay, so what's number one then? I don't know. I mean What's the ideal what's the ideal Star Wars climax? See, that's the thing. This one, like, action-wise is perfect, but for story purposes, Last Jedi, I mean, Return of the Jedi is, of course, the best one. You you, you misspoke. You mean The Last Jedi, right? I, I actually did. My bad. <laughs> it, is, it is the perfect movie, and until everyone realizes that, we will continue this podcast. <laughs> oh, man, folks, this is never going to end. <laughs> So who knows with with the ninth movie coming out, it could change everything. Oh my god! So this is my question: Considering that everything JJ does has to be bigger than the previous one, whether that be like Star Trek two thousand nine, where the Enterprise faces a larger spaceship, a larger version of the Enterprise. Essentially, no, no, that's Star Trek into Darkness. Oh my bad. Star Trek is where they face a bigger. Romulan ship right. into darkness is where they face a bigger enterprise, but it's black. That that's how you know it's bad because it's black. They used the super blood. <laughs> they coated the entire ship with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's blood. Daniel, did you realize that like every single one of those movies that like Ursi, like Orsi and Kurtzman like make all have super blood in it? Really. Yes, remember Amazing Spider-Man had super blood. Remember that? Like Peter Parker had like super blood that I don't I try oh, not to remember that movie. One. You didn't see the second one. I I've seen it from afar and I think that's close enough. Yeah, that's the plot of the second one is that uh uh Dane DeHaan wants uh Andrew Garfield's blood because like it's special and it will cure him of like his goblin disease or something, right? Yes, that's ex- that's exactly what it is. God, how do I know that? Yeah, and then that happens again in Into Darkness. Khan has super blood that cures death, apparently. Captain Kirk dies to tell of us something. Captain Kirk dies of irradiation. He's brought back to life because of Khan's magic blood. 
All right, I'm giving you the five because I cannot find anything anywhere, though I swear I've seen a YouTube video on it. It's mentioned in Aftermath Empire's End. I'm almost certain that, that there was five of them. No, 20. There's 20 of them. Yeah. Hold on. I got a better idea. List of all the. All right. I guess we can start talking about the Vader stuff. <laughs> See, folks. This is, <laughs> this is such a great podcast. I, I can hear you banging your head against the wall. Not yet. <laughs> it's getting there. So, Zenger, I'm trying to think. What can what can we say about the ending of Rogue One that hasn't already been said a dozen times on the internet? I guess my only thing is them getting knocked off one by one is just something that has to happen, of course. But I'm trying to think of how to word that because everyone's like, oh, you didn't care about the characters anyways. And my kind of argument to that is, can you name anyone that's not Matt Damon or <laughs> um, Matt Damon or Tom Hanks from Saving Pirate Ryan? Vin Diesel. That did that. <laughs> that died later in the movie. I knew you were going to say Vin Diesel. Family. Corona. <laughs> Uh, that's the thing. I mean, that's a great movie, but they're all getting off left and right in that thing. And they really didn't have much. I mean, they were kind of character development as any war movie is. They're obviously a group of people who are, you know, banded together through war. Family. Right or die. <laughs> that's a Oh, my Lord. Horrible, horrible Vin Diesel impersonation. But no, <laughs> I, I think. Fine somehow. But I think it really is like I know I, I've heard that argument that Zenger's mentioned where people are like, "Oh, you don't care about any of the main characters," and I don't think that's true. Like I, I have more, I, do. Empathy, I have I like more, empathy, I have more empathy for Jane, Cassian, Baze, Chirrut, Booty, and K two than I did any of the Force Awakens characters. I, I didn't care. I, I there's no reason to care about Poe in the Force Awakens. Like Poe is the man that can't die. Well, yeah, that too. But in The Force Awakens, Poe is, like, again, a two-dimensional character. He's Pilot Man. Pilot Man. Ray is Person Girl. <laughs> and uh, Finn, at least, is a character in that he's a turncoat. Janitor Man. Well, yeah, he, uh, Finn, well, yes, Janitor Man. I think that's an Adam Sandler SNL character. <laughs> but I think, like, like Finn's Sorry, only sorry. It's proper term. Imperial janitor man. First order janitor oh, man. Oh, sorry, my bad. I'm reading so much stuff on the Imperials right now, it's just so hard to not. It's seeping into your subconscious. It is. But, yeah, I, I, that's the thing about it. It's like everybody attacks the characters of Rogue One or the, or the protagonists. Like, oh, these aren't characters. They're just like cannon fodder. And it's like, again, what is Ray's character? Oh, she's a scavenger and she's lonely. Okay, and uh, she has a heart of gold. Well, what, what what heart of gold? Uh, she saved BB-8. And it's like, yeah, reluctantly. For, it's like for that. Well, yeah, like Jyn Erso's character is the fact that her father abandoned her at a young age. She doesn't understand why her parents never came. I think about it. Every sort of uh, oh god, authority figure that Jin had in her entire life has abandoned her. Whether it be her parents or Saw Gerrera, they all abandoned her. Cassian, 
Cassian's been in this conflict forever. Like that's the like we see him on the uh, the Ring of Kafrain or Kafrine, however you want to pronounce it, and he even says to Jin, he's been in this conflict forever. He is someone that's so blinded by his hatred of the Empire that it's not until he sees what. Galen Urso does by protecting his, his fellow scientists or imperial researchers that he has an epiphany. Churrit, okay, Churrit and Bays, I'll give you, are probably the most two dimensional because Churrit's obviously the, the spiritual figure and, and Bays is the, oh God, um, oh God, there's, 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 a, there's a name or a term for Bays. I'm trying to think right now what it is. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue where he's kind of, um, oh my Lord, not. Oh Lord. Okay, I'll think of it. I we'll believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it, folks. The in, and Bodhi obviously is very similar. Booty. Booty is essentially Finn. Like that's one thing I'll say. Booty is Finn. He's a uh, imperial that has a change of heart based on what he's seeing. Even though we don't get to see that sequence like we do in The Force Awakens, we pretty much, The Force Awakens and Finn's character does much of the heavy lifting for Booty. Plus we see Booty play the, pay the price for his Turn coding after what Saul Guerrero does for him. Like think about it. after he's after he's uh, captured or they put the bag over his head, Booty could just be like, you know what the hell with you people. According to the, I'm I'm watching a YouTube video on mute and they got a list up. It says five were destroyed in battle, three were commandeered by the New Republic, and one of them was destroyed in a bad jump to hyperspace. I hate it when that happens. Oh god, what would, what would you call base when a character has okay, they lose faith. They lose faith in what they believe in. Think of and Mel And they get it in the end. Yeah, think of Mel Gibson in Signs. Probably or not Mel the Gibson best in real life. Not touching that. Not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not touching that. There's no point in the movie does does Bayes call the cop sugar tits. There's no point in the movie does he do that. You weren't watching close enough during that end battle. Uh, let's talk about Mel Gibson, folks. Did anybody see The Beaver with Jodie Foster? What? <laughs> you didn't know about that? No. Oh, you didn't hear that? That um, back like in 2011, Mel Gibson like stars in a movie with Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster directed it. Anton Yelchin's his son. I think Jennifer Lawrence might be his daughter in it. I'm not even sure. Maybe. And the whole thing is like Mel Gibson's like a businessman and he has like a mental breakdown. And in order to cope, he finds like a beaver puppet and he starts talking through the oh, beaver wait, puppet. Oh, wait, I think I've heard about this. Yeah. And, and when that movie came, like that movie came out, like I think a few, like a few months after like Mel Gibson had like his second blow up against his like ex-wife girl. I don't know if it was his like ex-wife or his girlfriend. And like everyone, like he said, like all these horrible things. And he's like, no, 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 I was in character. <laughs> he said something like that. Where it was like, no, no, it's like the stress of the Beaver movie made me do it. But yes, a character that loses faith and regains it. Yes, uh, that's another thing too that I think people have to kind of realize with with move, and maybe not just Star Wars, but movies in general. It's that character archetypes aren't bad. Like having a character that, like Finn, Force Awakens. You have a character that's part of the military machine. They see an atrocity. They cannot accept that, and they become a turncoat. Like I know there's some people out there that will say that's a that's a trope, and it's like no, it's a character archetype. Like if you want, you could say any protagonist or a hero in a story is a trope. Oh, why they're using the hero trope? No, 
there are certain basic elements of writing that you can use that have been established and used many, many times before. And just because they use them does not mean that something is bad or derivative. Having a character be like one we've already seen before. It's bad and derivative. <laughs> that's exactly how I described The Force Awakens. Bad and derivative. <laughs> but that's Perfect. that's the that's the difference between like a Rogue One and a Force Awakens. Is that Rogue One has character archetypes that are, are pre-established. No, nobody in that movie is breaking the mold when it comes to character development. Yet they're all character characters with backgrounds that make sense for the movie they're in and they play into the movie as a whole in the force awakens it's like oh poe is hero man he's good pilot what does he do he blow up big fake planet it's like oh there's no character development there he's just pilot that's like again poe really is it's not until the last jedi that he actually has a character arc is that he's he's a two dimensional character again? Ray, Ray does have a character arc in Last Jedi, but in Force Awakens, she starts off being a uh, desert scrapper, and by the end of the movie, she's finding a guy. It's like oh, like throughout that entire film, all we kept hearing was, "I have to get back to Jakku." I have to get back to Jakku. And at no point in that movie does Ray... Like there, you know how you fix The Force Awakens with one scene? This is how you face it. Ray, like there's that one sequence in uh, Force Awakens when Ray is like, like, oh God. Oh God. Scurrying around the First Order like hangar bay. And we see that one lone TIE fighter, which I think I made fun of in our Festivus 2017 episode. And I'm like, isn't it just convenient that there's a hangar with one TIE fighter in it? Does anyone think that's odd or suspicious? And what should have happened in that scene was we should have seen her done her Jedi mind trick. The, 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 the guards like turn away or have to go like tie their shoelaces at the exact same time. We, but prior to her getting tie into, each other's shoelaces. <laughs> yes. And, but we should have, as they're right before she does her Jedi mind trick, we should hear her overhearing a conversation saying something like, Oh, I hear, I hear we finally tracked those dirty resistance player uh, people to their base. Where is it? Oh, it's somewhere in the. It's whatever. not Jakku. It's definitely not Jakku. Anyone no. going to Jakku would be safe from us. What's the name of the system? Ilenium system. Ilenium system. BBA Teller. So, what the two stormtroopers should be saying? Oh, we finally tracked those dirty resistance people. Oh, where to? I heard it's the Ilenium system. So it's something that's pre-established. So we know it's correct. We hear race. We we see Ray overhear this. She does a Jedi force trick that makes the storm for whatever reason, whether it be they hear a sound like in a new hope or they have to tie each other's shoes like Zenger pitched. We then see her go into the TIE fighter pilot. Uh, oh, we don't even have shoelaces. <laughs> we see, <laughs> we see her go into the TIE fighter pilot cockpit or the TIE fighter cockpit. And we see her have a moment of reckoning where she says, like, not even, she, it's, there's no dialogue. We see her just through her acting and her facial movements. We see her contemplating, I can go back to Jakku and all my problems will go away. No one will ever find me again on Jakku. But if I let that happen. Sorry, I just get this image of once again. Stop interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> I try to build toward this and I get cut off. Please, will the peanut gallery keep their comments until the presentation is over? Never. Continue. Thank you. 
Thank you, sir. Then you can you can keep all your pent up uh, snide remarks and let loose. But we see her look and realizes I can escape to Jakku, but at the same time the resistance will be destroyed, or I can stay here, but at the same time abandoning my parents ever coming back. Like that's the like that's one thing I can say. Like everybody complains about the Last Jedi, and it's like Ryan Johnson threw everything that JJ said up out the window. It's like Perfect no impression. because. Thank you. That's not my Star Wars in a nutshell. If you look at that movie, Ray still cares about her parents. If think about it, Ray completely writes off going back to Jakku. Like there's no mention of Jakku in The Last Jedi. Ray has written that off. Ray should really like not that she, she still wants to know who her, her lineage and heritage is. Sure, there's nothing wrong with that though. But her being curious about her parents is clearly a through line of The Force Awakens. But Ryan Johnson is awful because Snoke died. It's like, folks, you gotta pick what you're gonna sit there believing when it comes to continuity. It's like, you can't attack Ryan Johnson for throwing things out the window, yet when he does, not give him the credit for it. it Never give him the credit. No, that, that, that's that's the, 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 the catchphrase of not my Star Wars. It's never give Ryan Johnson the credit he deserves. If you had a sequence like that in The Force Awakens, it lasts like... 30 seconds to a minute where we see Ray contemplate saying, I could escape Starkiller base, but at the cost of the resistance, everything good in the universe. But I can, I can say, say, say la vie to Jakku, my heritage, what I've been waiting for, for how many years, but I've regained, or I've, I've gained a new family in the process, which is what Finn, Han Solo and Chewbacca are. That like, again, a 60 second sequence could fix that entire film. It's sad that, again, I am a schmuck talking on a Friday afternoon, yet J.J. Abrams, who's worth at least probably nine figures, can't figure that out. At least nine figures. At least. I'm not a schmuck, by the way, talking on a Friday afternoon. I'm going to go play Magic after this. You're a schmuck researching (laughs) Star Wars trivia on a Friday afternoon. No, 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 no. I got fun facts now. Danger, quick. What is J.J. Abrams' net worth? Uh, I know that a uh, superstar destroyer is over, <laughs> is nineteen thousand meters, which, if you want to convert it into America, is eleven point <laughs> eight miles. Convert it into America. <laughs> is that how it goes? Like how you convert meters to Americas? Yes. <laughs> also, also a regular Imperial class star destroyer is. 1600 meters which converts to 0.9 miles worst edition of star wars trivia ever (laughs) hey but now you know when you're comparing them you're like that's like a mile long zenger what is jj abrams net worth okay you're gonna okay jj abrams movies no net worth that's a lot of zeros (laughs) 120 million dollars told you folks at least nine figures not to pat myself on the head or blow smoke up my butt but i fixed the force awakens and jj abrams couldn't and this is why i am terrified of episode nine okay so you do that and everyone should cheer i try to fix episode (laughs) two and everyone's like you're a monster i didn't hear anybody complain about no i was right 
Sanger, what? what would you do? Sanger, what would you do if Sifo Diaz is mentioned in episode nine? I'll lose it. <laughs> I pray for whoever's sitting near me in that theater because they are getting thrown. Sanger, what would you do? Not, not one of my kids, by the way. I love them too much. I mean, an innocent bystander will be picked up and shucked. <laughs> Somebody else's small child is picked up and thrown <laughs> at the screen. Sanger picks up someone's like three year old and starts throwing them at the screen. Get out of here! <laughs> oh, come on! And it has to be an offhanded mention. Sanger, what would you there- do if Snoke is revealed to be Sifo-Dyas? <laughs> I'll clap at that point, I think. Because I think I'll just break. My my brain will just be like, done. What would you do if Sifo-Dyas found out that Plagueis was Sifo-Dyas and Sifo-Dyas was Snoke? I think everyone around me would smell burning because I think my <laughs> brain would just be fried at that point. That would be really interesting, though, if they made Snoke out to be like Plagueis and um, Sifo-Dyas. <laughs> Cause that, cause, cause, cause that one person needs that. No, but like, wouldn't that make sense then? That like you have this one. Like, I'm not saying that I would do that. I'm just saying that like, considering that JJ is a hack, wouldn't it be interesting that like that's how you tie all this together? It's like it's one guy was able to sit there like manipulate all these conflicts. Did you know that the uh, Imperial class star destroyer has over sixty turbo lasers? And 60 ion cannons as well. Really? And dual heavy turbo lasers it has six of. Whoa. I know. It's like I'm trying to not talk about this thing that's giving me a headache. Zenger, what do you like about Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One? It's perfection on film. It's great. He it I does that film need it need that at the end? Yes, absolutely. Seeing the movie and knowing that it's there, yes. Would I have been happy if it wasn't? No. Exactly. No, I mean, you need that moment. I would, I would say... That it, is, you, it is the cherry on top of the, of the end of the movie that, 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 that is my, my going to. Also, just want to point this out, because I forgot to mention it, and he popped up on screen. K2SO's no-look shooting the Stormtrooper is one of the best scenes in that fight too. I love that where he's telling them something. And you just, you just see him point the gun. He fires and takes out that stormtrooper running in. Anyways, continue. No, I think you do need the, the, the Vader in the princess Leia thing at the end. I think if you don't sets do, up that whole thing, yes and no, because the setting up part isn't what makes that fun. That whole sequence. I, th- I think we, t- I did this before Zenger even joined the podcast. One of the first episodes. Of, yes. Keep of pointing the podcast. out. Remind me. <laughs> It keeps me in my place. Uh, in, in the pre-show recording of this, Zenger told me that I bamboozled him into this podcast. He did. It's a story we'll tell one day. I, I one day um had like a little um like a cardboard box being held up by like a, a twig, and it said guest appearance on a Star Wars podcast. And Zenger went under it to nibble on it, and then as soon as he got under there, I pulled the stick twig out, and I had him trapped in the podcast forever. <laughs> Actually, it was it was pictures of um, Star Destroyers in atmosphere. <laughs> uh, I didn't think but, that would get anyone, huh? Uh, but no, I think the reason why the ending of Rogue One works is not for the continuity. Like, don't get me wrong, that's that's neat. But I think how it works is like if you look at that last like five minutes of the film, you go from them blowing up the blowing up the Scarif base with the Death Star. You then go to Jin and Cassian dying. You then go to the Rebel fleet troopers. To Darth Vader. Oh no! You go to the entire fleet basically getting 
just massacred well, by the. But, but what? But what I mean though? Well, no, because that, that's already happened at that point. I thought that kind of happened around the same time. Well, no, because what happens is the Death Star blows up the Scarif base. Jin and Cassian get caught, get, embrace in the explosion. We pan up. We see the the Darth Vader on the on the bridge of his Star Destroyer, and you can prepare a boarding party. Hold on, and, hold on. It's it's um CGI Moff telling him to fire at the base. I, I but there a lot. I'm not going at that point. though. what I'm trying to say is, you have all like the whole point. The whole oh god, reason why the ending of Rogue One works is that it's a constant escalation of action that just doesn't like somehow you don't know how it's going to top it. Considering that it's the last four minutes of a movie, True. where the last 45 minutes of the film as a whole is just an action sequence. True. That that's my point is that the ending of Rogue One, and by ending I mean the last five minutes of the film, is just it's it's oh god, it's chocolate sauce. It's uh uh it's oh lord, it's sprinkles, it's truffles, it's everything. And the Princess Leia is the little cherry on top. And I think that's what it is. Though, is ever, I remember back when we discussed Rogue One. God, almost two years ago when it came out on Blu-ray, the conversation was, oh, why couldn't you put the R2-D2 and C-3PO cameo there? It would make a lot more sense there. That was the argument. And I said, no, because at that point in the movie, everything is building to the Carrie Fisher thing at the end. Because you want, like Zenger said, oh, would the movie be fine if it just ends after Cassian and Jin are blown up? Sure. Yes, Cassian and Jin blowing up and, and and having that basically be the end of the movie, sure, that works in a narrative sense. But the whole point, again, one thing I always love about movies as a whole, I love movies with a Sokka one-two punch ending. And you look at that, they blow up, which is shocking. You have all your main characters in the Star Wars movie die. That was mind-blowing at the time. People have to remember that. That really was a, like, in the pre-release hype for Rogue One, like that was kind of like a, a wishful thinking. I remember, to, I, I think it was on the Rubble Scum forums. I remember talking with people. It was kind of the idea of, oh, they all have to die in Rogue One, and the consensus was, oh, there's no way they're going to kill off Jyn Erso. There's no way that Disney, one of the most PC companies, is going to kill off a brand new female protagonist character. And this was the same time that Kathleen Kennedy was running around in her Forces the Female t-shirts. No one believed that. It was like, there's no way they're going to kill these characters off. And part also the hype with, the, with Rogue One was a diversity thing. Like, oh, this is the most diverse cast of protagonists we've ever had in a major blockbuster before. And so everyone was like, oh, there's no way they're going to kill these characters off. Absolutely no way. There'll be such a huge backlash from the PC component of the fan base. No way it's going to happen. And so when that happens in the movie, I'm not saying everyone like was watching Rogue One and like, oh my god, they killed Diego Luna. The 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 Mexican American the Mexican fans are gonna boycott the whole country of Mexico is not gonna see Rogue One. It's like no, like nobody was thinking that, but it was just the kind of the idea like, corporate politics and how these companies think. It's like, oh, if we kill the the female character, women are gonna hate our film. It's like, no, w- women aren't that shallow. No, it's like they're not gonna sit there and behave that way. If you make a good character. And you do something stupid with it, then then people will care. But no, people aren't just going to care because that one reason. But that's the thing: you kill off all the characters, which is which is uh, mind boggling in and of itself. Then you go to the scene; you have you have the nostalgia of the fleet troopers, which again, 
this is how Rogue One understands nostalgia better than Force Awakens did. Like, again, Force Awakens shoves nostalgia down our throats. It doesn't make sense that 30 years later, everything looks the same. Doesn't make sense. But with Rogue One, it makes perfect sense that there would be rebel fleet troopers on a rebel ship around the time of A New Hope. Makes perfect sense. Even if you completely ignore that the movie takes that a new hope takes place minutes after rogue one and then you add the rebel fleet trooper nostalgia to the vader scene which i don't think i can explain any better than just watching it you have that basically the scene of vader doing what people have been wanting vader to do ever since they saw him for the first time in 1977 you add that sequence which is just brilliantly choreographed filmed edited Everything about that scene is perfect, and not just from the the context of being a Star Wars fan and, and having a, a romance explosion in your pants. You have that. You, you take all the main characters dying, the Rebel Fleet Troopers, Vader, and then you add to that Captain Antilles, another appropriate shot of nostalgia, and then we have CGI recreated Princess Leia. And the movie ends exactly. And plus, you have you have the shot of the Tanta V four falling out of the bottom of the profundity. That's another shot of nostalgia that makes sense. It's not just oh look, there's there's Han Solo. He's the exact same person he was thirty years ago. He hasn't changed or developed at all as a character in thirty years. Or oh look, X wings because technology hasn't advanced thirty years at all. It's. It really is. Like I, I honestly cannot think of a better final five minutes of a film other than Rogue One. And I don't mean that in a Star Wars sense. I mean that in just a broad filmmaking term. The only other movie I can think has as great as a final moment as Rogue One might be Casino Royale, because you have the whole thing where uh, you have like God. There's so many like kind of like fake out endings to Casino Royale, and we have uh, what's his name, Mister White. Um, pull up to like his his Italian waterfront home, and it's like his phone rings, and it's like, "Hello, Mr. White, who's this?" And he gets shot in the leg, and you have the Bond theme coincide with the exact moment that the gun fires, and mm-hmm. we see Mr. White like crawling up the stairs, and we hear we hear very slow, very like quietly in the background the James Bond theme, dun 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 dun, and we see Bond. We, we again, it's from the ground because Mr. White is on the ground. And then we see, as he's clawing up the stairs, Bond, we see somebody walking up the steps of the stairs, and the camera pans up to Bond, holding, like, God, like his assault rifle. And we cut back to Mr. White kind of just, like, very confusedly looking up to him. And we, and then it gets louder and louder, the Bond theme, and we hear the names Bond. James Bond. And we cut the black, like that, to me, that will always be one of the great movie endings of all time. Hello? Mr. White, we need to talk. Who is this? name's Bond. James Bond. (laughs) 
Rogue One does everything right, not just in a Star Wars sense. It does everything right by conventional filmmaking terms and how to end a movie on a uh, uh, one-two punch. And I think, I swear to God, if you take out the last five minutes of Rogue One, I don't think that film makes uh, half a billion dollars in the U.S., never mind uh, a billion worldwide. I think that end, that last five minutes made that movie for most of the people who saw it. It's random because I actually have the box office numbers right in front of me. So I was like, oh, I can double check. And he's right. Thank you, sir. I, I, I know all my Star Wars. Zanger, how much money is Solo made? Um, $10. <laughs> I'm sorry you're incorrect, but we would have accepted not enough. <laughs> so $10 is enough. Got it. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I just find it funny how, like, I was the one championing this argument, and you've just kind of Hijacked silenced it. me to the point of, I'm like, I got nothing now. Well, I, I guess I don't mean to do that, but... Oh, I, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's just, I, I got my points, but yes, I do do 100% agree, and um, as I, I do have my moment of saying for the end of this, too. Good, good. So I guess this is a question, considering I ask questions and nobody responds, even in the Facebook group now, and now that Twitter's gone... Uh, oh, for the record, I don't think I have explained this yet, though, but the, the, the Knights of This Vader is the Twitter- perfect time to do it. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Wait. Hold on. How far are we into this record? Like an hour and a half in? Uh, hour and 15. Perfect time to do it. Perfect time. Well, we're coming to an end, so I guess. Are we? <laughs> well, I hope. I got so many facts about Star Destroyers. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the 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 what we play over the credits at the end. Zenger <laughs> Zenger reads off Star Destroyer facts. Oh, I got the names of all twenty five hundred. I mean twenty five thousand. <laughs> you gonna read them in alphabetical order? Yes. I guess my question is to a lot of Star Wars fans, and like I was saying, uh, the, the Knights, my Twitter account and the Knights of Vader Twitter account are both gone. Uh, I'll I'll explain that one day, folks. Well. Twitter's a mess. I think that's a nice way of putting it. I, my question is, what do people think of Rogue One now? Like, I, I know we have some people in our audience. That's that- why I wanted to bring this up. Because I feel like people... I feel like I need to point out I appreciate this. Well, yes. And that, that's good. Because, again, there's not enough appreciating Star Wars. Again, all we do is there complain is. about it. Say that again. What do you think of Rogue One? Because I know some people in our group don't like... The the Last Jedi. I know one person said they prefer the spinoffs to the sequel trilogy films because if you look at the Star Wars films we've gotten in the last couple of years, it's like Last uh, Force Awakens has been written off as derivative, rightly so. Uh, Rogue One is kind of just ignored. I, I guess I guess Rogue One is looked at as like a happy accident. Last Jedi, no, no. Most people that. are like, oh, it's just fan pandering. It's just a ton of. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. No, 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 I disagree. I feel it's the perfect fan film because it's, it's like, just amazing. There's a difference between making a, a film that fans appreciate and a fan pandering film. Like that's, this is a film fans would appreciate. But I don't think it's pandering though. It doesn't, but people feel it does. And that's wrong. They're wrong. And that's why I wanted to say that, because I feel like this is a film made for fans, but it's not pandering to them. The thing about it, though, I think I mentioned this, again, back in we our first Rogue One recording. We're wrapping this up, by the way, people who are listening. Good, good. It's going to be a nightmare to edit, like, every episode. But <laughs> I, remember, I remember I mentioned this, 
uh, in our first Rogue One discussion, like it was like our fourth episode, was I took my elderly neighbor to see Rogue One. He had never seen a Star Wars film in his entire life. And I remember, because I told like we made plans to go see Rogue One. And I, I gave him a copy of episode four. And I'm like, watch this before we go see the movie, whatever day we saw it. He watched it. And he's like, oh boy, that was a thing. And I'm like, you got what was going on, right? He's like, yeah, I, I know what was happening. And we saw Rogue One. He enjoyed Rogue One more. And he thought it was a much easier film to digest than A New Hope. I, I just see you going to your elderly neighbor and being like, listen, they're, they're, they're doing a special or I can get a free thing of popcorn if I bring a friend. You're coming with me. What? <laughs> Actually, this is back when I had movie vouchers still. Ah. Zanger, you know how close I was to doing the movie voucher rant as part of this festivus? You know how close I was? So close? I, if it wasn't for the fact that we already had like two hours in the can when we stopped recording that, I was I was fully prepared to break out the movie voucher rant. Oh, that one, right? Yeah, Zenger knows all about the movie. Sorry, voucher I was rant. like, what movie voucher rant? And he's oh yeah. Zenger knows all. Zenger knows all about the movie voucher rant because he had to hear it. I I have. Fun fact, folks. At this point, I've told the movie voucher rant so many times. I'm. It will be my obituary one day. <laughs> it will. It will just be that. You know what? Okay, yeah. Because that will be a Patreon exclusive. Oh, by the way, folks, we Zenger and I have finally cracked what we're going to do for a Patreon exclusive. Or like, what is it called, Zenger? What do we call the Patreon? Is there a name for it? Patreon exclusives? I don't know. You know this stuff. I don't know what it is. It's it's just extra recordings? Yes. For, for, is this for, a thing? For... Am I supposed to say stuff? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Help. Uh, but yeah, Zenger and I finally figured out what we're going to do for a Patreon exclusive to uh, milk money out of you. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, give us money. I mean, (laughs) we're going to pick you up by your ankles and shake the money out of every single one of you. When you're not buying $30 mugs, we're going to be charging you money to hear us talk about things or talk more, talk more, but hide it behind a paywall. Yes. But yes, Zenger and I figured out what we're going to do. We still have some a uh, little bit of fine-tuning to do on that. But one of the things will probably be a movie. If we ever run out of stuff to talk about, one of them will be the movie voucher story. Another one will be the Amy Schumer story. There's an Amy it, Schumer story? Oh, yeah. I never told you my Amy Schumer story. Good God. It's funny. It revolves around I, – I might actually have to be careful because it involved Twitter. And considering that Twitter suspended my account, I might have to go back and get some of those. They might, they, they'll have to pay to support us, though, to get to that information. So we're good. Yes. The Amy Schumer – it's funny. The Amy Schumer story is interesting, yet it's not interesting enough for its own episode. Like I, if we did this episode, it's like a 15-minute long story. Every time I've told somebody that story, they're like, oh, yeah, the internet's a horrible place. No, I'm like, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's the moral of the story. I can't wait for me to be on that record so my response can be, huh, the internet's a horrible place. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's 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 kind of the only lesson to be to take away from it. Alrighty, Zenger, do you have any Star Destroyer facts for us? I'm saving them. Oh, you're saving them? Putting them in I, a I, jar for a rainy day? No, I'm putting them in a jar for next time. You're like, hey, can we do an episode? Do you got an idea for an episode? I'll be like, we're going to talk about Star Destroyers. That'll be the April Fool's Day episode. <laughs> it, no, it will be officially the no one listened to this episode. That's every episode. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. So, how do we have negative listens? <laughs> <laughs> 
Podbean has a little negative sign in front of the zero. It's like, I didn't even know that was a possible integer. Uh, all right. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader into Facebook, and chances are you will find it. Find us on Instagram, KOV Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Anne Superiority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out their latest album, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime, available on Bandcamp. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodities. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't it's laugh. It's funny because I was like, oh, he's messing it up by giving his Twitter out. Yeah. That might, chances are, by the time you're hearing this, that count might be suspended, too. Yeah, at Cinemodities. You probably can't spell it because it's spelled weird or it, it's a stupid spelling. Um, as well on Cinemodies, come hear me talk about more Steve Odekirk. I think we're yeah. doing Pow Enter the Fist movie. Best movie ever. All right. So Zenger will definitely like that episode. Big bombs go kabang. <laughs> Zenger, where can people find you? Well, I'm not going to give my Twitter handle because apparently that is an auto way to get it suspended on this podcast so you can find zing this everywhere else but twitter if you happen to find it on twitter don't let anyone know you did <laughs> especially twitter don't let, t- don't let, twitter, <laughs> don't let know. twitter know i'm on there oh my god i hate twitter so much i hate twitter twitter is a great resource but i hate like it's, it's the most incompetent people running it much like All the DMV. there's nah. your joke in the 90s all right zanger what is our moment of zang uh, George Lucas was reported to have enjoyed the movie more than The Force Awakens. Upon hearing this, Gareth Edwards said, bloody hell, I can die happy now. Yeah, that, that is indeed true. I remember reading about that. Yep. We don't know what he thought of Last Jedi or Solo, do we? I just want to sit, sit there and think he went, or Gungans. Gungas. Gungas. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Did you know that the Star Destroyer is... <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.